So we are celebrating the advent of Christ and how His coming brings us joy. In the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. So the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels brought a message of good news that that, that brings great joy into the lives of the shepherds. And it is good news that brings joy into the lives of all people. What was that good news? What was the source of that joy? That for them, for us, there is born a Savior. One who rescues us from our sin. Who saves us from having to, to, to pay the penalty for our sin. Who is this one? He is Christ. He is Messiah, the Lord. Messiah, Yahweh. The Lord who is in control, who is the ever-existent One, who is the One who has created all things. Make no mistake, the message of the, of the angels was that this was the divine Messiah. God Himself come for them. Come for all peoples. It is a a great message of joy that, that is available to, to all of us. The, this message of joy is not a joy that, that is defined as absence of sorrow. The joy that, that, that Christ has brought for us through His incarnation is not freedom from things going wrong in our lives. It's not joy even though we are still suffering. It is a joy in suffering. Look at, 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 at where this message of joy led the shepherds there that night. It, it brought them to, uh, to a family that had been displaced by their government, by an evil government that, that had called them to, to leave their home and to go to another village so that they could be properly counted and taxed. There's nothing joyful about having your government kick you out of your own home until you have to go live someplace else so that you can pay them more money. This message of joy led them to a, a baby who had been born in an animal's feed trough because there was no safe place 
for him to be born that night. There is no, no happiness, no safety, no security in a baby being born in a stable. And yet this message of joy that is for all people brought them to that place. It, it led the disciples to a town that in a very short order is going to, to endure the great suffering of, of, a, of an egomaniacal king who in a desperate attempt to hold on to his throne killed all of the boys two years old and younger. The message of joy was to come and see a Savior that in order for Him to save the world, He needed to die. This message of joy is not an absence of sorrow, but it is joy in the midst of suffering. That, that when we are going through difficult times in our lives, when we are being oppressed by others, when we are suffering through, uh, through, uh, through poverty or suffering through illness or, or suffering through broken relationships, suffering through rejection and, and, and uh, a dishonor that we might face in our lives, that even in the face of all of that, we still have joy, true happiness. It's not an accident, the order that we go through in these different Advent candles. That in order for us to have peace, there needs to first be that hope. That Christ has a plan for us. That He has come to rescue us. That there is more. There is a, there is a destiny that He holds for us. Both a, a destiny for, for eternity, but also a destiny for right now that He has a plan and a purpose, that He is leading and guiding us. It is a living hope that is alive in us today. And through that living hope, we then have peace with God. Because that relationship with God is made right, we now have peace within ourselves, with others. And it's in that peace that we find true joy. The apostles recognized this truth. How the joy that, that is being proclaimed by Jesus Christ is not an absence of suffering, but rather it is joy in the, in the middle of suffering. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. This is the account of uh, the apostles very early on in the life of the church, where they had been in the, the, the temple courts proclaiming the truth about Jesus Christ, that He had come to save the world, that He was the true Messiah, that we're come to rescue His people. And there were many that were coming to faith, that were many putting their trust in Jesus Christ. And the, the, the council, the very same council that, that, that just mere weeks before had accused Jesus of blasphemy, had charged Him, had sentenced Him, and called for His crucifixion. That this same council, now hearing the message of the followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus there in the temple courts, 
arrested them, put them into prison, and brought them before the council, and, and in that place charged them to stop speaking and preaching about the name of Jesus. And they said, we can do no other. And realizing that there was nothing that they could do, they beat the apostles and then released them, telling them to no longer be preaching this message of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, we read this. Then they left the apostles, they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus Christ. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. It's not that they were rejoicing even though they had suffered beating and they had suffered dishonor. They were rejoicing because they were suffering. Because they were enduring the very same suffering that Jesus had endured that had rescued them. And now they were being counted worthy to join in that suffering with Jesus Christ. That seems a little out there, don't you think? That, that this, that one would, would be, be rejoicing, that one would find joy in the fact that you had endured suffering. And yet, this isn't the only place that we see that. One of the, the disciples that is identified specifically in that, in that situation is Peter. And he writes in his letter, turn with me to, to 1st Peter. First Peter chapter four. Verses twelve to fourteen. This is his instructions to the churches throughout the uh, the known world as, as this letter was circulated around to them. First Peter chapter four, verse twelve says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. He's saying, expect it. You are going to suffer. You are going to endure rejection. There are going to be things that are going to go wrong in your life. Rejoice in that suffering because as you suffer and share in the sufferings of Jesus, it's a promise that you will also share in His glory. And the, the Christians, the believers throughout the the, the Christian world recognized this and believed it and lived that out. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10, just a few pages back. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 34. This was 
written um, to uh, to believers throughout uh, the Christian world, likely mostly towards uh, Jewish Christians, but certainly there's lots in here that is also for Gentile Christians. But but it was recognizing that that these followers of Jesus were enduring suffering in the places where they were living because of their faith in Jesus. And all kinds of terrible things were happening to them. And we, we can read about that starting at verse 32 in Hebrews chapter 10. The author says, Recall the former days when you, after you were enlightened, after you had put your trust in Jesus Christ, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. For you had compassion on those who had been thrown into prison. And you, listen to this, joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. They joyfully endured others coming and taking away their personal property. Because they knew that, that their true wealth, their true identity, their true uh, glory was not here in this life. But rather there was a, a home, there was a, a place waiting for them in glory with Jesus that will last for all of eternity. And so they, they joyfully allowed themselves to be taken advantage of. That's not an easy message, is it? That's hard for us to live out. Now before you start thinking that, that these believers were some kind of masochists that just enjoyed getting themselves into problems where they were suffering, and to be fair, there are those that have read this and taken that position to think that that they needed to create suffering. And there are those that go in the traditions where they whip themselves or, or there are those that are just a, are annoying people and, and create suffering for themselves just because they are kind of obnoxious. Uh, that's not what's being encouraged here. It's, it's not that we go out seeking suffering, but we anticipate Suffering, and there's a subtle difference here. It's not an enjoyment necessarily in the suffering itself, but but recognizing that through the suffering, it accomplishes something in our lives. That's something that we read about in a number of different places throughout Scripture. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Every one of our Advent messages have come back to Romans chapter 5. If you've ever wondered if there was a good passage of Scripture to look at, Romans chapter 5 is a great one to keep on coming back to. And here we have it, Romans chapter 5. Let's start reading at verse 1. I want to get to verse 3 here eventually. But Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access to by faith, into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope, the glory of God. Not only that, here we go, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering 
produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, we, we can rejoice in suffering because we know that through that, God is accomplishing a work within our hearts. He is preparing us and strengthening us to be able to have greater endurance, which gives us stronger character which gives us this great hope that we have of what God is doing in our lives and that that not only is He here leading us now and today, but He has a plan for us for all of eternity. So we rejoice in suffering because God uses it to accomplish something in our hearts. James talks about that same thing. Let's flip over to James chapter 1. Not an unfamiliar passage here. James chapter 1 and starting at verse 2. Are you ready for this? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in the hard things that we face in our lives because of what God does with that and what He accomplishes in our hearts through that. It is through pain that we grow. Very rarely is there growth in our lives without pain and suffering. And so when we face those difficult days, when the trials come at us, when the hard things uh, seem to overwhelm us, we can have joy. Because God is going to be working in our lives. And as we keep our eyes focused on Him, listening for His voice and, and, and waiting to see how His hand works that out in our lives to accomplish those things, we have great joy. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 1. Not only do our sufferings bring transformation within our own hearts that there is something that God accomplishes in our lives uh, in our lives through suffering but also God uses that suffering in order to to work in the lives of other people Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24 here Paul writes now I rejoice in my sufferings why my, because I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church, of which I am a, become a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations for now revealed to His saints. 
as you suffer, as, as God works in your heart through suffering and you experience that joy, not only will you be blessed, not only will you be stretched, not only will you be strengthened, but others will see what God is doing in your life and they will be drawn into a deeper relationship with Him. And so just as Christ's suffering brought us new life, your suffering brings blessing and, and grace and new life into the hearts of those that are around you. So there's reason to rejoice. There's reason to, to embrace those times of, of hardship because you know that in all things, not some things, not most things, not the greatest majority of things, but in all things. God works for the good of those who love Him. Who are called according to His purposes. None of it gets wasted. And because of that, we can have joy. The message of the angel continues to ring out to us today. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. In that, you can find joy. I think one of, the, one of the greatest practical examples of that in the life of Jesus is that night when the disciples were heading off across the Sea of Galilee in a boat without Christ, and the storm came up, and Christ, seeing them from the hilltop, went down to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw Him, they were afraid. Jesus said, Fear not. Peter said, Lord, if it's You, call me out to walk with You on the water. <laughs> the Lord said, Come. And He was able to step out of the boat and walk on the water. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? How absolutely mind-bending that is? Here they are in this boat. The storm is raging. They're, they're afraid for their life. They've been straining at the oars. Things were completely out of control. And Christ invites Peter to come now and walk on the water. The impossible thing. He didn't just rescue them from the, from the storm. He does this absolutely mind-blowing thing to come and walk on the water. It cannot be done. And yet, through the power of Christ, it happens. I would have been hooting and hollering like crazy. This is amazing! And then what happens? Mark tells us that 
Peter saw the wind and the waves. And he started to sink. And the Lord reached out and rescued him once again. And he said, why did you not believe? See, it's the, the moment that we take our eyes off Christ and we start focusing on the problems in our life. We start focusing on the things that are causing the suffering for us. That's when we lose our joy. That's when we start getting overwhelmed. But when we keep our eyes focused on Him, on the, the miracle worker, the impossible doer, that we can have hope because we know He is the plan. That He can be trusted. That He will do things that seem absolutely impossible now, but that's His specialty. And so we can rejoice knowing that even in this difficult moment, even in this illness that I am experiencing, even in this loss of employment, even in this time of, of, uh, of poverty, even in this, this, uh, this uh, oppression that's coming from other people, persecution from our government, persecution from our co-workers, when there's broken relationships in my family, when my, when my kids are, are turning their backs and going a different way, when there's, when there's conflict between my wife and I, I can have joy because even in this impossible situation, Christ is going to do a miracle. And if I keep my eyes on Him, I know that He will lead me exactly where I need to be. So I can have joy because there's going to be something awesome that is about to happen. Something that's impossible to see. We know that in all things, God works for good for those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. Are you ready to see Christ do the impossible in you? In the suffering that you're experiencing today, in the heartache and the sorrow that you are walking in right now, in the loneliness and the isolation, He's about to do something amazing in your life. He is going to strengthen you through this. And you can rejoice in that. He is going to use your suffering to bless somebody else so that they will find new life in Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Keep your eyes on Him. There's no telling what's going to happen. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for, for the impossible things that you are going to do in our lives. We know that it doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't evaporate the grieving. It doesn't displace our sorrow, our loneliness. But we know 
that we can find joy because you do what is good. Always. And you will accomplish something that is far greater than anything that we could have come up with. Anything that we might have been able to imagine or to, uh, to create or to, to plan out. Your purposes are far greater. And so Lord, I pray within our hearts, call us out onto those waters. Help us to experience that joy as we keep our eyes focused on You. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that have, that have yet to put their faith in You. They're watching in, in, in the safety of the sidelines. Trying to figure out if, if, this is, if this is truly what You are calling them to. If, if this is real at all. Lord, I pray for you, through Your Holy Spirit that You would that You would just wash over them with a with the reality of Your presence here this morning, with with the, the the confidence in the hope that You provide. That as they experiencing that hope, that they then put their trust in You that they would experience that peace with You. And in that peace, as they recognize that, that they have nothing to be afraid of anymore because You are caring for them. That You will lead them through the good times, through the hard times. That You will do what is right and good in their lives no matter what the circumstances. Or that they would then find Joy. Let us hear that song that the angels sing. Good news of great joy that is for all people. And we will give you all of the praise and all of the glory. In the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.